Hi, we've got three stories from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn why you're a different person in the morning, how you can induce altered consciousness using eye contact, and a bizarre tradition involving giant wheels of cheese. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Ashley, do you like cheese? I love cheese. Really? Mm-hmm. Good talk. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I got we... no follow-up to that. <laughs> Well, today we're going to start with a story that we just had to write about and we just have to talk about. The Cooper's Hill Cheese Rolling Contest was first recorded about 200 years ago in southwest England. That first recorded race was in 1826, but the actual event might be older. And honestly, nobody really knows why it started in the first place. To our knowledge, it's the only event where people compete to win a wheel of cheese by chasing it down a hill. People run down a ridiculously steep hill chasing a giant eight-pound wheel of cheese that rolls down at up to 70 miles an hour, to give you an idea of how steep this is. The official competition was canceled in 2010 because the event was so popular and attracted such huge crowds, emergency vehicles couldn't get through to the runners sustaining concussions and other injuries. But the competition still takes place every year unofficially, and the winner of the 2018 women's competition dislocated a shoulder before she got to the bottom and ended up having to hold up the cheese triumphantly in the non-dislocated arm. And other winners have gotten pretty busted up, including broken bones and internal injuries. I think they said like a bruised liver or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you've got to see the video to believe it, like oh Ashley gosh. said. But yeah. check the show notes for a link to our write-up on Curiosity.com or check the Curiosity app for Android and iOS. It's just ridiculous. It really is. It's just people flinging themselves down. Apparently, the best way to win is by keeping yourself upright. Because I would think that maybe just rolling would be like the fastest way to go, but you probably hurt yourself too much. Yeah, no, you see people and it looks like they're just running and then all of a sudden they're flipping forward and yeah. just, yeah. Face full of mud. Cody, do you tend to tweet more in the morning or at night? Ooh, I'm like a commute tweeter. Oh, okay. So... Kind of then. I re Honestly, I retweet so much more than I actually tweet. Right. How about you? I tweet a lot during the work day, but I, I'm very I'm a very different tweeter at different times of day. At nighttime, I'm more likely to tweet something funny or retweet something weird I saw. And then during the day, it's more like, oh, science, 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 science. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I imagine you talking in all your tweets. <laughs> exactly. That's your Twitter voice. Well, a massive new study kind of bears this out, this this split personality that I have on Twitter. Because it says that you're a totally different person in the morning than you are at night. Researchers from the University of Bristol analyzed four years of tweets from the 54 largest cities in the UK. That is 800 million tweets containing 7 billion words, not counting links, hashtags, or emoji. And they found clear patterns in behavior. Some were obvious, like people talking about their family more on weekends and food during mealtimes. But the biggest differences happened between morning and night. From early to mid-morning, people were clearly focused on achievement and power. Tweets also showed signs of categorical and analytical thinking, meaning lots of nouns, articles, and prepositions, which other studies have linked to intelligence and education. Moods were also a bit lower than during weekends, which is when the authors say people have more of a feel-good time. Then, starting the late night and peaking in the wee hours of the morning, tweets took a darker, more existential turn. Words that suggested anxiety, sadness, and other negative emotions were more common, along with talk about religion. Death-related words were most common at 3 a.m. Interestingly, netspeak was at its all-time high at midnight, and comparative words peaked an hour later. What is netspeak? It's like lol and pwned. Gamers. Yeah, gamers speak. Gamer kinda. talk and also leet, yeah, pwnage, exactly. internet. Okay. 
And the researchers say this all makes sense because of your body's circadian rhythm. That's what controls things like your sleep cycles and metabolism. It also explains why you might feel refreshed in the morning but need a nap after lunch. This all gets affected by the hormones your body produces, like cortisol and melatonin. Cortisol production happens to peak between 6 a.m. and 10 a.m. when people are the most analytical and hits an all-time low in the middle of the night, which is when people talk about death and religion. So if you feel like you're a totally different person in the morning than you are at night, then don't worry. You're not alone. I'm not even a person in the morning. <laughs> Before 9 a.m., 9.30, forget about it. I'm more of a person in the morning, and then I just start to lose steam near the end of the day. Oh. Probably because I get up so early. Sorry we record so late in the day. <laughs> so late. All right, Ashley, what's the longest you've ever made eye contact with somebody? Oh, gosh, I'm very bad at eye contact. I've been working. That's like a thing that I have actively worked on throughout my life because eye contact's hard for me. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm like really aware of how much eye contact I'm having with you. Well, yeah, now we're talking now about it's it. Weird. It's freaking both of us out. Yeah, so let's just, just stop. Let's look at something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, according to a 2015 study, you can actually induce an altered state of consciousness using eye contact. Ooh. And no drugs. Winners don't do drugs, kids. Don't be a fool. Stay in school, <laughs> etc. Italian psychologist Giovanni Caputo says that all you need to do is stare into a stranger's eyes for 10 straight minutes in a dimly lit room. Good luck doing that one on a first date. <laughs> I, I, oh, I God, that'd be the creepiest first date. <laughs> I would love to do that on a first date. The researchers asked 20 young adults, mostly women, to do this for a study, and participants said they had had, quote, a compelling experience unlike anything they'd felt before, unquote. They reported that color seemed less intense, sound seemed quieter or louder than expected, and time seemed to move more slowly than usual, and that they just felt spaced out in general. 90% of participants also said they'd seen some deformed facial traits, 75% said they had seen a monster, 50% said they saw hints of their own face in the other person's face, and 15% said they had seen a relative's face. And remember, no drugs were involved. Scientific American wrote that this weird outcome was probably thanks to a thing called neural adaptation, which is when neurons decrease or stop their response to unchanging stimulation. Similar weird things happened in a 2010 study that had people stare at themselves in a mirror for a long time, but the results weren't as extreme as they were here. Please email us if you try this podcast at curiosity.com. Oh man, I really want to try this. It's got to be a stranger though. Why? Wait, why does that have to be a stranger? Well, the study used it with a stranger's eyes. Oh yeah. I mean, maybe it'll work if you know the person. Because there's also that theory that's like, if you stare into each other's eyes for like four minutes, you fall in love or something. Oh, is that So maybe thing? they're in love now. I don't, that, don't quote me on that. That is probably not <laughs> science, but that's like a thing that goes around that people say. Love things that go around that people say. Do not quote us. <laughs> Do but not. Seriously, if you stare into someone's eyes for 10 minutes, let us know how that goes. Oh, man. There's a fun weekend activity for you. Mm -hmm. And Curiosity also has some big plans for the weekend. What can you learn about this weekend, Ashley? Well, this weekend, you'll learn about the dark side of self-control, a massive stone pyramid in the middle of the Pacific, why venting will only make you angrier, the story of the Red Baron, and more. If there's something you're curious about, then email a question to podcast at curiosity.com and Ashley might answer it on Sunday or another day next week. Or we might ask an expert to answer it, which is even cooler. That's podcast at curiosity.com to ask your question. Join us again Sunday to learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Cody Goff. Is there like a special guest you have in mind or something for Oh Sunday? my gosh, it's the best special guest. Is that right? Special guest Sunday. Well, well, well. <laughs> See you in a couple days. Have a great weekend. <laughs> and stay curious. 
on the Westwood One Podcast Network.